Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Thank you all. You're welcome. So this morning, I want to share a quick message. And the title of the message is All About Christ. All About Jesus. There are many church logos. There are many Christian emblems built in Jesus' name. There are many religions in the world and many ways by which people hope that they can come across and do something phenomenal with their lives. But if we did come to God, God has prescribed the way by which we will come to him. It is in the person of Jesus Christ. If you read Old Testament and how the Bible started, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word that's John chapter 1 but when you go to Genesis chapter 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and God said let's write. and then on and on and on until God made man in his image and his likeness from our description of what the job of man and what our assignment is supposed to be always from the description of God from there, you'll find that God always sought to engage with man. God always sought to engage with man. This was God's idea about connecting with mankind. God made this creature called man. And God decided that I want to have a relationship with the man I have made. I want to be in sync with the man I have made. I want to walk with the man I have created. All the Old Testament time, there was not anyone found who could represent God on earth. The first man from Adam was a man called Enoch. He was the sixth man from Adam after Adam had fallen. And God found this man, Enoch, who God, night to God's heart. Enoch had this fellowship with God. And after a while, I have my own way. You know, like when you read the Bible, I don't know whether you read some drama into it. I do. I absolutely read the Bible very colorfully. Do you understand? There was something else that happened before God took him, right? What was that that happened? I think he was some kind of phenomenal guy who walked through the walls or stuff like that. He did crazy stuff. And then one day, Enoch stopped being because he went to heaven and didn't return. That's exactly what happened. Everybody knew that for hours on end, he would be talking to God. He just had a relationship with God. Then after Enoch, Noah. God found a man called Noah. And Noah became, the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 8, God liked what he saw in Noah. Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. In a time when everybody was falling, nobody could give it two hoots about what God wanted. Noah was a man who wanted what God wanted. And God loved him. And after Noah, Abraham became the father of promise. Do you know the whole idea of Israel? People think like Israel is a special tribe under God. Yes. 
guess the whole idea of Israel? The idea that was that God was looking for a special tribe on earth who he was going to use to model what the God life looked like. So it wasn't about Israel being special. It was about them being a model nation about how a God who can walk with a nation on earth so that all the nations of the earth will now say let us go up to the God of Jacob he will teach us his ways how to worship God how God can lead a nation that was the whole idea of Israel to walk as a people to model to other nations how they're supposed to walk with God but Israel also failed God when Israel failed Jesus says you know you always reject all the prophets and kill all the sent ones God has been inspiration through many men and prophets in all generations God has been declaring God has been establishing God has been wanting to engage with man at today's count, God's own new way to engage with a man, he vested on this baby that came called Jesus the Christ. And where did God send him? At Christmas, we see the story of the nativity and how Jesus Christ was sent to the carpenter's home. And today is all about Jesus. Say all about Jesus. Say it again. Today is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. That's what it is. All about Jesus. Let's read together. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was a living being. He had life. Every other man who lived before Christ was a living being. He had life. The last Adam was a life-giving spirit. Christ was not just a living being. He was a quickener. He was an activator. He was like a, he was like a catalyst. He was like yeast. He was like seed when planted in the earth begins to germinate. The last Adam was very different from the first Adam. Many of us connect with God on the level of the first Adam. Just a living being. We're living creatures. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to stop there. You're supposed to be a life-giving spirit. So here is what the first Adam looked like. The first Adam was a natural body. A living soul but mostly is sown in dishonor if everything you do in your life operates by the principle of the fact that you're just a living being guess what sown in dishonor means that you die an ordinary death you know we wear earth suit all of you are wearing earth suit these clothes you have on your body are not you your body is not you do you understand Paul calls this body the body of embarrassment there's a TV series called embarrassing bodies when this body begins to grow when this body begins to enlarge 
when this body begins to droop, you don't feel that the body is special anymore. When this body begins to malfunction, when your bones can hold you up, all of a sudden you realize that this body is not so special after all. If your body is strong and you have gait and you have manhood and you stand and walk and all your vertebral column is in place, you feel like this body is good. But this body doesn't last long. You are bigger than your body. You are better than the edge suit you occupy. You are not just a living soul. You must connect to the second Adam. The life-given spirit. There must be a burning on your inside. There must be a desire in your heart to connect to the real you. You are supposed to be like the Adama, the second Adam. The life-given spirit. Are you getting this this morning? The last Adam is a spiritual body. It's a life-giving spirit. While this dies in dishonor, this is raised in glory. So you don't wait until you get to heaven before this happens. On the earth, people die. And when they die, you can either die in dishonor or you can be raised in glory. One day, I was speaking about this last week. My elder brother, Emmanuel, died. He used to be a plump, stocky guy. But he had gotten sick with HIV AIDS. So he had become emaciated, so dry. That when he died, he was all more like skin and bones. Have you seen those pictures from, from Rwanda or, or Somalia during the war? His bones on the ribs could be counted. So I walked into the mortuary that morning. He had gritted teeth and cotton balls sticking in his ears. And never forget the vision. That image stuck with me. He had become all but bones. I knew that this was the body of dishonor. Emmanuel was no more there. Emmanuel was no more in that body. He's been released from that body. Set free. God was in Christ. Setting us free from our body. Not until you die. Right now. Once you connect to the life in Christ, you have life in you. Once you connect to who Christ is, you have life in you. The second Adam is the life-giving spirit. You can fight all your battles in your understanding or you can connect to the Christ. You can be that man who everybody sees on the outside or you can be a man of Christ. But this Christ is controversial. Why should I follow such a controversial character? You know, he claims I am the son of God in an imperfect world. He demands that we follow him. One day he showed up to a rich man. He said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. <laughs> well, if only if what you have is a few things, it's easy for you. You know, the widow always gives her might.
But if you have a lot, you have to think about that. You have 10 houses. You have a house on a hill. There will always be that one you love. The car that gives you pleasure. There will always be that thing that is special that is difficult for you to give up. And God says for you to be blessed, give. For you to have, he says for you to be great, be a servant. It's an upside down way. And then for you to be good, allow yourself to be taken advantage of. That's what he says. He says rejoice when men despisefully use you. That's wild. That's stupid. It's an upside down kingdom. And that's what Jesus comes to establish. Allow yourself to be cheated. Allow yourself to be mistreated. Let some people in some movements not catch me this morning saying this thing. But that's what Jesus says. So Jesus becomes contrary to what men want to do. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. When you enter into Christ, you enter into the completeness of God. This Christ was like a man, a model man. There's so much I want to cover, but there's no time. There's no time to talk about Jesus today. He's the highest. Philippians chapter 2 says, Therefore God has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Redeemer. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 says, And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take this scroll and to open its seals. You ransom people for God from every tribe, people, and nation. He taught things. He taught about money. He taught about fruits. He taught about the law. He's the good Samaritan. What's the parable he taught? Who is your neighbor? He said, your neighbor is the person who takes action on your behalf. That's the summary of this story. There's a lot to cover. There's no time. They came to ask him hard questions. And they said to him, who should we pay taxes to? He asked them the question. They brought him a coin and he said, give me a coin. They brought him a coin and this, they gave him this coin. He says, whose emblem is this? They said, Caesar. At that time, they were dominated by Caesar. They were asking him a hard question so that he can get politically correct or crucified. He said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give unto God what belongs to God. His wisdom was unquantifiable. He told parables. He did miracles. They came to ask him. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is bigger than the kingdom of men. My kingdom is larger than the kingdom of men. He said, it's times and seasons. Ask for power to be witness. At every point in time, this prayer is accurate. The power to be a witness prayer is more accurate. Now for you to be asking God, will you give me now? Will you do it this year? Ask for power to be a witness. He taught. 
He says to be in, in this kingdom, for you to be the greatest, you must be the servant. This way his teachings, his politics. So servant leadership was not something that was initiated by Harvard. It was actually Christ who said for you to be a leader, you have to be a servant. Serve people. This is how to lead. When Jesus came, this is actually how his principles should guide us. And this is where I want to stay for today. This on those one slide, I want you to have revelation. John chapter 4, verse 34. It says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What he meant was like what gave him pleasure was to do the will of God. What made him feel a sense of fulfillment was that he did the will of God. Every time, the only reason why Jesus rejoiced was that he was able to activate and actualize the will of God. So at the well, they asked him, do you want to eat? He said, no, my meat is to do the will of him who called me and to finish his work. What is your meat today? What makes you rejoice today? What makes you happy? So if Jesus Christ is the perfect man and we're supposed to copy him, then this is what we're supposed to be like. Like the pulse of our heart. Like the strings of our spirits. We will be like, what does God want to do? Where does God want to go? Where does God want to do today? That is what should make our blood boil. Today we have many agendas. We have many things. We have many purposes. It's good. But don't forget that that purpose ends you in the first Adam. Some people see their purpose is to, I want to fly the, through the whole earth. That's good. You're still in the first Adam. You haven't been able to give life. Do you know man was dead here's the gospel man was dead every human being was dead in their trespasses and sin every soul on earth was locked out from god everyone was disconnected from the covenant of god and that in itself is called death being cut off from the covenant of god and the second adam comes into you to make you a life-giving spirit. So can I ask you a question? Or ask your neighbor this question. What makes you excited? It's time to preach to your neighbor. Ask them, what makes you happy? What is that thing? You know, some of you guys in church, you're very well behaved. You're not happy or sad. Your face is looking straight. You know, you're just like British and everything, you know. Just like, oh no, Pastor, don't ruffle me. Come on. I'm not as eccentric as you. We just have to find what makes you happy or sad. So it was Wednesday service, I said, Oh, now my daughter was going around the house just gruffy gruff. She's just a gruffy gruff child, just, just humming to herself talking to nobody in particular, just going around the house, flat face all day. So I was asking like, 
what will I do to make this girl come alive? You know, I just wonder what should I do to, you know, as a father, I'm, I want to fellowship as well. I just remembered, ah, football. You know, and I has always loved soccer since she was a baby. Her team is Man U. So I just... <laughs> so I just thought, oh my God, I can get this girl's attention. So I said to her, do you think like the match that Chelsea is playing with Man U, they're going to win today? She said, actually dad, you know this number six, this is this number seven, this player, we bought him from Man U, we bought him from, uh, from the Spanish La Liga. And you know, Onai just became animated. British people who supposedly are the most calm people in the world are the most wild in football. You know what they do? They tattoo their team on their face. They paint their chest. You see some with flabby chest who won't even show it to anyone. On match day, they will paint it all red. We are the reds. We are the blues. They will paint it and go and be dancing and hitting their tummy. Whoa, whoa. And football is actually such a stupid game, to be honest. How can 22 adults, married with children, some of them, wear shorts, go into a green grass, tie something around, call it football or whatever they call it, roll it around, and they are running around all day. Then when he enters the rectangle, everybody goes crazy. Hey, is there a goal? Were you thinking that you chase it all around and he went to the triangle? Oh, so you think you'd be knocking this ball all over the place and he went to the rectangle, that huge rectangle. He went at some point. <laughs> and to have people even pay for that, the people who are even more stupid are the people who pay for the... <laughs> some people pay, like they call it season ticket, like thousands of pounds ahead of time to get a special seat. They fly from all over the world to go and watch a match. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How can it be possibly the energy? I went to a match once. I was waving at the police. They were not smiling. Nobody was laughing. Nobody was playing. They were very serious. Tension. Tension is supposed to be football. We're all supposed to be happy, right? No. Nobody was happy. Tension like people who could know the one that surprised me when the team lost, the other side said, Hey, wailing men were crying. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, This thing is madness. <laughs> Do you know you have what makes your blood boil? You have what activates you. You have what makes you shout. We all have it. We have, all have what we cannot take. We all have what our threshold. We all have Lord boys of our lives. But Jesus had one. He says what makes my blood boil is to do the will of him who called me and to finish his work. What makes me excited? What makes me rejoice? 
What makes me climb up to the high octane of excitement is to do the will of my Father. What's your purpose today? Then he says, love. John chapter 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I love you, you also love one another. I know love is not something we can do in pan and say, but can we at least pretend that we love each other this morning? Can you hold someone's hand and say, my sister, I love you. My brother, I love you. I love you with Christ love. We love one another. I love you in the name of Christ. I love you in Jesus' name. Say you're my type of person. When I go to heaven, I would like a house near you. You are my kind of person. I love you with the love of God. I can see all over you the glory of God. <laughs> Woo! Even this pretend love, because it's not love. This is just greeting that we did. For you to love, it has to cost you something. You have to stand with people in adversity. You have to be there when life happens to them. You have to be challenged by what challenges them. You have to cry when they cry. One day we went to a funeral house and we came out that place. Somebody has just lost someone. And we got into the car. I thought the ladies I went with were okay. I didn't realize they were not okay at all. As we went to the car, one of them started crying the ugly cry. Yeah! I'm like, madam, I took you to go and encourage people. Why are you crying? <laughs> That's what happened if you really love. Just seeing their friend hurt. The pain comes into their heart. That's love. Love will cost you. Love will draw something inside your heart. Love will pull at you. And Jesus says, I command you to love one another. This is how the world is going to know that you are my followers. If you have love one for another. It seems like the world is not going to know that you are mighty like Alf, Lukau, if you raise the dead. And if you have you seen that video? Uh -uh. <laughs> if you're not on social media, thank God for your life. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> the world will not know that you are God's disciples by raising the dead. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, you stand with people when they're hurt. If you reach out your hand of fellowship, if you can be there when people are breaking apart, then the world will know. Hallelujah. Compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Do you know we don't follow Jesus? All we need to do is literally follow Jesus and we'll be fine. Follow him. That's what the God said. By this shall all men know. He was moved with compassion. He said, The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. 
Hallelujah. Let's stay on his perspective. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 5 is 30. I love this one. It says, I do nothing of myself. What I see the Father do, that I do. How powerful is that? He said, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He says, I am from above, and he that is from above is above all. My goodness, this Jesus makes claims that no man on earth has made. He makes claims. Either these claims are true or they are false. If they are true, they deserve your attention, which we know they are. Jesus is asking you not just to be a Christian, but to walk with him. Get into, get into becoming a life-giving spirit. Get into becoming a catalyst. Get into the radical. Get into following him without stopping. Get into walking with him without missing a bit. This is the call of God for your life. So I want you to tell your neighbor something. And this is a question. Jesus is asking you, who do you say I am? So tell your neighbor the answer to that. Who do you think Jesus is? No, don't ask them. Tell them, I think Jesus is. So one after the other. My sister, let me tell you who Jesus is. Who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think he is? Who do you think Jesus is? Who is he to you? Who do you think Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Who is he? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? How powerful is that? All about Jesus. Who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he to you? He's the son of God, son of man, savior, redeemer. Who do you say that I am? Our understanding of God will determine how we can worship him. What we make, the image of Christ we have, will determine how we serve him. This morning, Jesus wants you to perish the thought of every other thing and to follow him. He is asking you, come and walk with me. Come and walk with me. Come and walk with me. Walk with me. This morning, this call is for someone. Come follow me. Follow me. Trust me trust my life and I will show you who I really am. There comes a time when the fancies of the world will not satisfy. There comes a time when wealth will not be enough. There comes a time when everything, the accolades of men will fall short. There comes a time when ambitions will fizzle out. There comes a time when everything will dry up. There comes a time when death 
will visit. There comes a time when we will have no pleasure of your Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says remember your creator now in the days of your youth before the silver cords loosen before the peaches break at the well remember your creator remember Christ be like me take my beauty take my love take my compassion take my power Jesus is here this morning offering you himself yes yes do you recognize him do you recognize him they ask me who do I they say that you are and I say that you are the Christ son of the living God when they ask Say that you are and I. Say that you are the Christ, Son of the living God. When they ask me who do I say that you are, and I say that you are the Christ. Say that you are the Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that we'll become like Christ. We journey into Christ. Today, I don't want us to just make an emotional decision. I want us to shift into Christ, to move from where we are into Christ. I want you to open your mouth and speak to God. Say, Lord, I'm shifting from myself into you. I'm moving from a natural man into the spirit man. I'm moving from the first Adam into the second. I'm changing my place. I'm changing my base. Say it out loud. Say, Lord, I'm changing myself. I'm no more of the last Adam. I become the new. I become the one. I become the activated one. I become the one who follows. I become the one who lives. I become the one who has life. In the name of Jesus Christ. I shift into the second Adam. I give you my soul. I give you my spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. You know, there's going to come a time. It's going to come a time when your body will no more be as fresh and as young as you are. Most people in this room are young. It's going to come a time when you're not going to have pleasure in the things of the world. Even when you're young, you're going to go through days when your mind will be darkened. Before those days come, take on the life-giving spirit of Christ. Drink of him. Be like Christ. God has provided a man for you to compare yourself to. God has provided a human instrument for you to be like. Many people will sell you many fancies, but I present to you Jesus the Christ. Let it be all about the Christ. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.